So I think I think I did the intro for last holiday. Okay. Uh, okay. Sorry, I've been like so frustrated with my phone that I have completely forgotten what movie we watched. Okay. Um, <laughs> hello, everybody, and welcome to Your Little Sisters Productions presents Missed Opportunities. Today, we are talking about the 1993. Three Musketeers. We said last podcast that we were going to do this one, and we did, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Um, if you have any movie suggestions, please go over to our Instagram or our Facebook, where we are Your Little Sisters Productions, or you can find tweet us on Twitter. That's how you say that. You can tweet us on Twitter at YLS underscore productions or if you'd like to support us financially you can do that and get lots of great goodies including episodes not aired um to anyone else not aired on the internet (laughs) exclusive episodes only for patrons over at patreon.com slash Flake. click on the podcast tier that has our beautiful tree logo on it just go ahead and sign up there you'll get instant access to all those uh, podcasts and access to email us and give us suggestions and all that stuff and you will be supporting a small female-owned business your little sisters productions so thank you guys so much for supporting us by listening to this and we will go ahead and dive right in to the three musketeers uh did you want to do the synopsis yes so the three musketeers not the candy bar the movie (laughs) by the way just (laughs) side do we know if the candy bar has any real is is that what it's named after probably named after the book because i think it was the book then the candy bar then the movie because i'm pretty sure that three musketeers bars came about in like the 60s or 70s they're delicious i remember what they taste like anyway i just really like that candy bar so (laughs) the movie (laughs) three musketeers 1993 it stars Chris O'Donnell as a young Frenchman named D'Artagnan, whose father was a musketeer, which is basically the bodyguards for the king. And they do all sorts of missions for the king, but their number one priority is to protect the king and protect the crown of France. So they're very highly skilled, very well trained. Think of, if you're American, the Secret Service for the president. I'm sure every country has a similar version to that for their leader. The movie starts out with him dueling somebody, this person is, he's very mad because D'Artagnan was having fun with his sister. Not D'Artagnan's sister, the guy's sister. And so he wanted to defend her honor. And she has four or five brothers. And so this kickstarts, he runs away from them. And this kickstarts them chasing him throughout the movie. They kind of pop up here and there throughout the movie and cause him to get into some other trouble. He rides off on a horse to Paris and manages in one day to schedule three different duels with three different men for three different reasons but the main not the main reason the main underlying theme as to why those duels happen is because he's a punk and he talks back and doesn't respect anybody and is just biting at the bit to fight anybody he can all three of them show up to the very first duel not realizing that they all had scheduled to fight the same kid and this, these are the three musketeers that the movie is talking about, Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. That is going on on the musketeer side. What's going on with the king side is the cardinal, who is very high up in the Catholic Church, which has a lot of power. He also has his own guard. I don't know what they're called. Do you know what they're... Is, are they just the cardinal's guard? Yeah, they're the cardinal's guard. 
they were red in the movie the musketeers were blue i think in the book they were black but in the movie they were blue and then the cardinal's guard were red because the cardinal was red the cardinal is not a very good or nice man he does not seem to follow the religion that he has risen so high up in and he is planning to assassinate the king and overtake his throne become king of france himself and he has disbanded the musketeers and said that the cardinal's guard will take over security go back to d'artagnan he's about to fight his first duel of the day when the Cardinal's Guard ride up and they're trying to arrest the Three Musketeers because they have not turned in their swords or their uniform or given up their commission, they've refused to stop being Musketeers even though they have been disbanded. A fight breaks out. D'Artagnan joins in. They're impressed with his swordsmanship. They go on adventures throughout these adventures. D'Artagnan at one point gets captured, overhears the Cardinal's plans to assassinate the king and knows that a spy is being sent to England to form... And, but he doesn't see who the spy is. He just hears about it and knows that the message is being sent. So he get, gets out of that situation, tells the musketeers. The musketeers help him out of the situation. He was about to be beheaded. They rescue him. Very cool scene. And they decide that their mission is to stop that spy. So they, all, so they split up into two. And then from there, I think they have to further split up. D'Artagnan has to leave the one he was with to go after the spy. He ends up meeting up with the spy who was a woman, a very beautiful woman. He doesn't know she's a spy at first, so he tells her his whole plan, which let's just stop there. <laughs> Why? On earth? Why? In what world would you be on a secret mission for the king and then tell it to the first person that you see after he fell off his horse from exhaustion? He wakes up in her bed his shirt off she's like cuddling him he knows nothing about her and he's just telling her his but what if, even if he didn't think that a woman could be a spy i mean this is the 1600s what if her husband or her brother was or what if she was in the company of the spy just blabbed it to everybody she knew what if she prevented him from leaving why is he telling her a random stranger this entire plan but he does he tells her he knows everything he knows for the most part she reveals she's the spy after kissing him and trying to kill him. He finds out that she is the wife or I suppose ex-wife of one of the musketeers who has a bit of a tragic backstory about his wife and now drinks to forget it because she has the mark. It's a brand that they give you of the fleur de lis, meaning that you're meant for the, I was going to say the guillotine. I don't think they had the guillotine. No. Yeah, they didn't have the gate but you're meant to to die. You're meant for the death sentence when you had killed somebody. So he finds out that she's the the spy. He's unable to stop her, but fortunately the other musketeers are able to show up and they get the letter. She reunites with her ex-husband of sorts and the one of the musketeers, Athos. He gets her eventually to unveil the rest of the plan the piece of the plan that they were missing because they didn't know exactly what the cardinal was planning to do find out he's gonna assassinate the king at his birthday celebration and then because she was sentenced to death she had been caught by the law was going to die she does die as per their law and then they ride we have a brief moment of silence for her death and then they ride back to france and along the way i suppose they're still in france but they ride back to the capital where the king is Along the way, they call all the musketeers they can and kind of let them know that they need to rally to save the king's life. They show up at the king's birthday celebration where they have basically a sniper. I don't think they had the sniper 
oh my gosh, what did they look through the scope or anything? But it's basically someone who hides on a very tall building far away with a clear shot and view of the person they're trying to kill. They have that for the king. So he's going to come out and wave to the people and then be assassinated in front of everybody. And that's when the cardinal was planning on taking over the throne. D'Artagnan sees a sniper. He runs up the stairs to go fight him. The other musketeers go inside the building. Lots of fighting ensues. D'Artagnan ends up killing one of the bad guys, who is the one who killed his father, who was a musketeer and died in service of the king. They rescue the king. The cardinal dies. His henchmen die. And D'Artagnan becomes a musketeer. And it's a very happy ending. Also, D'Artagnan met this girl one time in one scene, and apparently they're in love. And so they kiss at the end of the movie. Yep. I hope that wasn't too boring. Because here's the thing. This movie was so fun. It is fun. I Watching it again, it just makes me smile. And it makes me, like, I probably remembered, like, I don't know, 85% of the lines in the movie. There's so many fun lines, so many fun, like, one-liners and, like, trick jumps and and fight scenes that are just they're it's just fun i wouldn't go into it with any sort of historical accuracy it's hilarious to me that tim curry plays the cardinal he's so evil but he's also got a british accent and he (laughs) is supposed to be french aligning with england and everybody else has american accents so it's even funnier uh so anyway it's it's really funny and oliver pratt platt with an with an L. Oliver Platt plays Porthos. In our last in our last podcast, I couldn't remember his name, but he is hilarious. He has so many good lines and is just oh, he's one of my favorite characters in all movie history. I, I love it. Um and Charlie Sheen plays Aramis. Aramis, who is the priest who is just too good looking for his own good and can't stop, you know making girls fall in love with him with all of his like poetry and stuff like that. And then um, Athos is the one with the tragic backstory. He fell in love, got married and found the mark on the girl, turned her into the law and left her for dead. Turns out she eventually became the murderer that he accused her of being. And she's kind of known in that, that underground world as like this black widow type person who you know marries men and then kills them and finally uh the count de winter who is like she's the countess de winter the count de winter who is the last person husband that she killed his brother is the one that catches her and is making her pay for her crimes and and it's just it's a very complicated story but it's done very simply because it's a complicated story and that's the only way you can tell it in two hours (laughs) but it also relies very heavily on coincidence mm-hmm. um, there's so many coincidence like he just happens to make a duel with all of the remaining musketeers those musketeers just happen to know his father the main bad guy just happened to be the guy that was attacking him and and arrested him just happened to be the one that had killed his father and when he falls off his horse exhausted it just happens to be the spy he's looking for that picks him up you know like (laughs) there's there's a lot of coincidences (laughs) but it's still so fun and that's the only way that you can tell this complicated of a story 
in such a small amount of time and make it fun and approachable. You just kind of have to suspend disbelief that, yeah, they would all, um, not only would they choose to set a duel with him, they would all choose different times, but the same place, you know, like it's, it's just funny and you just have to enjoy it. But yeah, this is one of my childhood favorite movies. So I think the, the missed opportunity, <laughs> probably, like the only thing that I can think of is that, yeah, it does re- rely really heavily on coincidences. It also, the love story between Constance is her name, Constance and D'Artagnan is a little lacking because he meets her once <laughs> for about half a minute <laughs> and then she helps, she saves his life in the end. Um, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> like They're well, in love don't forget the scene this isn't between them but she's talking constance is waiting waiting to the queen and there's a scene where the queen is taking a bath and constance is there assisting and she's telling the queen about how she felt seeing d'artagnan and that it was love at first sight and would he feel the same way and everything i had almost forgotten her by the time we got to the bath scene Yeah, they put it in there right, like, to at the perfect moment, I want to say, because if it had been any longer, you would be like, who's this woman? <laughs> yeah, you barely remember her. I I know I read the book, we talked about that on the last podcast, but it was a long, long time ago, and I was very annoyed at D'Artagnan, because if I remember correctly from what I was ranting to my dad about, because I was annoyed at D'Artagnan, is he also had feelings for Constance or another woman? I'm not sure. And then he had feelings for the Countess de Winter and had a thing with her, like had a little crush on her or thing with her, but still said he loved the other woman. I just was convinced he was a playboy. (laughs) In this movie, that's confirmed that these musketeers just, they call it wenching. You just grab a wench and kiss her. and yeah. That's, (laughs) yeah, that's probably not great, but it's, it's funny. It's played off as funny. The women are obviously participants and a wench is not a lady of the night, if you will. (laughs) Like they are kind of like how we talked about cocktail waitresses before. They are women of (laughs) bad reputation, but they're basically waitresses. So they're, they're, they're wait- yeah, they're flirtatious waitresses. And they're basically. big bands of musketeers. So they very willing, yes. oh, you're a musketeer? Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, oh, I had a point. Now I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Miss opportunities. The love story was lacking and a lot of reliance on coincidences. Yes. Oh, I wanted to compare it to the Odyssey in... Um, I remember learning about in one of my literature classes that um, I took in college and is that the, the idea of being forever faithful to your partner uh, in the Odyssey, obviously he's faithful to his wife, but he's not actually physically faithful to his wife. He cheats on her all the time and he sleeps around a bunch. Um, And that's kind of what they did with D'Artagnan is like, he is mentally and like emotionally faithful to Constance in that he doesn't actually have feelings for anybody else but he's definitely kissing winches and you know making out with uh the Countess de Winter and and everything so 
it's I was thinking like is that what they were kind of going for was that idea of being um sort of emotionally faithful but definitely not physically faithful (laughs) oh like he does know who she is like he remembers her so she did make an impression on him it's just I wish that like maybe so when he is kissing the Countess de Winter he stops her and is like I'm sorry and then she's about to stab him I wish she would have like shown some loyalty to Constance in that moment and that way it would have been like oh he does feel the same way because it it the bathroom scene where we know that she's in love with him happened before so if we were like okay she's in love with him and then he's like not willing to kiss the countess to winter because of you know he's got you know feelings for con you know, like some sort of reminder of her like if he had had any sort of reminder maybe in the winching scene even like um he does talk about like well that's what you do when you fall in love you you get married when he's talking to athos um, about Athos, you know, tragic past. But if he had said something about it or alluded to Constance in any way, um, that that one single moment of them meeting would have made sense because she fell in love at first sight, and he maybe didn't fall in love at first sight, but is still thinking about her, you know, somewhat interested. But it really. It comes out of nowhere when she saves, like, she hands him the sword that he's about to die. She hands him the sword and he stabs the guy with the sword. So essentially she saved his life because otherwise he would have died. And then she holds his hand and he's just all, you know, doughy eyed over the person that saved his life. But he doesn't even say her name at that moment. He doesn't even like, Constance, I remember you. You know, like, he just, they just assume and then he kisses the girl and it, for all he knows he could just be kissing some random girl that saved his life and i wish that they had just thrown in a little bit more about their romance even like in the winching scene in the countess de winter scene like at some point saying her name just putting it out there so that we know he's going to end up with her and it's important that he end up with her type of thing that that would be my solution would just show him having any type of loyalty to her what do you think i agree and i think that would have solved my issue one of my main issues with the book read when i was reading it when i was younger and has been one of the biggest issues i haven't reread it because i just remember being so perturbed by him the whole book (laughs) (laughs) i just wanted to jump in and shake and i'd be like you said you loved this one what are you doing with this other woman so my little ten-year-old self is already very passionate about how what the about the decisions the characters made in fictional books. I also remember, oh my gosh, my dad walking in on me so many times, crying or like yelling at a book <laughs> around that age. <laughs> it started nice. young for me, but I I honestly think the Three Musketeers is one of the first ones that really got me riled up and ranting to someone else about. So I do credit that book for some of the passion of reading especially classic <laughs> literature that I think that's what I was trying to say I think that one of the reasons that they had him just meet Constance and it be super short and then him not super remember her is so that we'd be more okay with the wenching scene and the Countess Du Winter scene I personally took it as he might be remembering Constance or he might just be realizing that he knows nothing about this woman and that the situation is very important for him to not be messing around. But I, 
I guess actually now that I think of it, he said stop more because he needed to, he felt he needed to get to the spy instead of for Constance. But I think they but, did that so that the audience would be more okay with him doing that stuff because some of it, I mean, they played it down, they toned it down from the book, but it was important for the story to move forward, I guess, or to show different aspects of the Musketeers and and whatnot. But it is weird then at the end that he still ends up with her even though he doesn't remember. And I think it would be okay if he didn't remember and she rem- would remind him or they would fall in love. I think it's okay to have one person see someone and know that they're meant to be and then they meet up with the them later and then have that be their love story. They didn't do the best job with that even. Like they didn't fully commit to they fell in love at first sight, both of them and they're meant to be, but they also didn't fully commit to she felt it only and he kind of forgot about it or was in the back of his mind because other stuff was going on. But either remembered her when he saw her or was going to fall in love with her when he saw her. He was going to look her up after the mission. Like, you want to you be able to think that. And, like, they literally only meet for a minute. <laughs> like, it's not, they don't have a long, drawn-out conversation or anything. But she is just so intrigued and infatuated with him. And I wish, like, even if they had kept her name out of out of it through his entire adventure if he if they had done the the movie exactly the same but in the end when she saves his life and she like holds his hand like if he would have just said her name like Constance like so we know that he remembered her and we know that he knew who she was what she was you know like just to kind of show that even though like that he didn't forget about her you know like it's it's obviously didn't in like he looks at her and he smiles and stuff but i feel like it's a little too subtle <laughs> like the the tiniest bone you could have given the audience is him saying her name and i understand that he had just almost died he had just had this huge battle and killed the man that killed his father gotten justice and it's this big scene and so they wanted it to be silent i get that but i do wish he had said her name and then they had that aerial shot of the the dead guy and him laying there with holding her hand i do love that shot and i love that scene <laughs> and i love the when oh, what's his name it's like rothford or something anyway the bad guy with an eye patch um he is fighting athos and he's kind of winning <laughs> against athos and uh but athos eventually knocks the sword out of his hand and d'artagnan stops the sword and is like this is mine because it was his father that it was his father's sword Rothford had stolen from d'artagnan when he arrested him and d'artagnan like holds it up like uh getting permission like hey i'm gonna fight this guy now and then it shows athos responding by holding his sword up and athos is just like yeah go ahead like <laughs> just so, like he's just so like done with this fight <laughs> i love it but he did have a wounded arm. The guy got a pretty good stab in his upper arm. And then you see Athos fighting with his left arm instead after that. Yes. Which is impressive that he reminded me a little bit of Princess Bride. The fact that he could yes. fight with both arms. I don't know if that's the thing that you have to be able to do as a musketeer. Fight with both hands or what. But that was really... I noticed that detail later. He did fight a little bit with his right hand after the wound, but you see a lot of stuff being done with his left arm. And I like that attention to detail because if you could, you would to preserve yeah. what you, 
preserve your right arm, especially if you're right-handed, you would want it to be able to heal the best it can. And if you know that you're proficient enough with your left hand as much as possible, that's what you would use. So I liked that attention to detail in there. I really, really liked the Musketeers. They all brought all the actors who played them and who played D'Artagnan. I mean, Crystal Donnell is just really good at playing that punk who becomes a hero, just like in Robin or Batman and Robin, excuse me. He is yeah. Batman's Robin with Mike. Is is it Michael Keaton? No, he's not with Michael Keaton, sadly. He is actually with Val Kilmer first, and then he's with uh, George, George Clooney. George Clooney, that's right. Oh, you never did get to be with Keaton, that's sad. But yeah, kind of a punk who becomes a hero. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah, and when we're talking about attention to detail, I love the fact that when he starts fighting Rothford, the eye patch guy. So throughout this entire movie, we see he is such a punk and he's always so arrogant and attacking. He's like his he is constantly moving forward in his attacks when he's sword fighting. And when at the end, the final scene, he's he as finally taking it seriously and he starts backing away from Rothford. Like he's actually not just attacking with his, you know, full steam uh, hothead he is actually being methodical and really like understanding that his opponent just almost killed someone who he knows is better than him it's really good storytelling in the fact that you just see him always going in head first hot-headed and finally by the end he's learned his lesson and is like fighting differently he's actually fighting defensively and offensively not just barreling through and I really like that attention to detail because I was like he's backing up like I was watching it and I was like he's backing up like he's actually circling and like not just barreling forward which is what he did with all of the guards what he did with the what is it I think his name is Gerard whoever the brother of the girl that he was kissing goodbye (laughs) (laughs) and he's always like attacking forward and he's finally in this scene like being methodical about it and really thinking about it planning his next move kind of a thing and so that was one attention to detail that I really enjoyed is the the fact that you can literally see by the way that D'Artagnan is just holding himself that he has learned and grown (laughs) as as a fighter, as a musketeer. And so when he becomes a musketeer, you're, it's not that same punk kid from the beginning of the movie. It's actually a musketeer. It's actually uh, someone who has respect for the, <laughs> the art of, uh, of protecting the king and being a musketeer. I just really, I can't believe I've never seen it before because I really did love it so much. And it just reminded me of how fun action movies can be and why I grew up loving action movies more than just about any other genre even though I I don't think my personality lends people to think (laughs) that I would like action movies but I always grew up loving them I always wanted to be in one just because I thought it would be so fun to be in something like this movie or like The Mummy or the first Zorro movie with um, Antonio Banderas I just thought those were so fun to watch. And they, ha- they have serious moments, of course. And they do, we've talked about the attention to detail, even though it's a fun movie and they make a lot of jokes in it. The death is taken kind of lightly in this movie. They still have 
emotional moments and pay attention to telling the story well. They take themselves the exact amount of seriousness they need to. They don't overdo it and they don't go the opposite and just say, oh, forget it. We're just a fun family packed action movie. So we're going to just forget about attention to detail. And I really appreciate that because, I mean, we complain about modern movies all the time on here. I want to say it's, have you seen Obi-Wan, the the show they did on Disney Plus? I have seen it, yeah. I can't remember her name, but she gets stabbed through the stomach with a lightsaber. And then isn't she just walking around perfectly fine the next time you see her? Uh, yeah. The, she's going to be in like some spinoff or something. And that, yeah. <laughs> it's not her fault. The actress is great. It's not the actress's fault. She didn't sit down and write the script and plan all that. But if you, I'm pretty sure that if you get stabbed through the stomach, unless a magic healing took place which can happen we saw that in episode nine mm-hmm. what i think of that isn't beside the point but we've seen that happen with the force they didn't show us that they just showed her walking around off i mean even kylo ren he gets was it shot in the stomach in episode seven and yeah. he was wounded and bleed, and you saw him fighting through it I don't think they did it well, but I think we talked about this when we did a podcast on that episode is the fact that they talked about how powerful this crossbow was that he gets shot with and then he continues fighting and he stumbles a bit, but he's still like the only reason Ray is not dead is because he got shot and he's like nursing the wound, but he's still stronger than her, (laughs) you know? Um, I don't think they did it super well, which we talked about, but that's Mm -hmm. the thing. Like, I don't know that that was the whole point is that even injured he's you know better than her this this is how strong and how good he is is he can be shot with this super powerful crossbow and still be fighting but again if it's not if it's not conveyed properly then it doesn't it doesn't work and I think one of the best examples in this movie is Aramis is a man of God has a a cross on an on a chain around his neck and at one point he is uh trying to arrest the cardinal who is literally taking the king hostage and there's a war going on so um uh, aramis is by himself and the cardinal shoots him and he falls back and i love i love the shot of porthos running through all of like these dueling uh musketeers and guards like they're they're, like fighting with each other and about to stab each other and he just like flings them out of the way and like knocks (laughs) them over as he's running to his friends and then um athos joins and they're like is he dead and he's like trying to get through all of his clothing because he has like the, the musketeer tunic on and then the vest and the shirt and all that stuff and when they finally like get all the way through his clothing he wakes up and the bullet had hit the cross and he's like see there is a god and then they go after the the cardinal (laughs) but it's funny because one we see him with that cross several times throughout the movie he has it in the very first scene that we see him in he prays over the men that they kill that tried to arrest them when they first fight with d'artagnan we see it over and over throughout the film so we all know that he has that cross and had he been shot and like he had had chain mail or blah, 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 you know like whatever other reason but because it's the cross we know he has it it makes sense and it's funny and it just works but 
it was very well explained. We get the shot of the bullet on like stuck in the cross and the cross is bent you know what i mean like it is very like it's very obvious it's told like the story is told very well to make that scene believable that yes he got shot it would hurt and knock him out you know he was unconscious but he survived and it didn't actually break skin it just probably gave him a really big bruise you know and probably a headache but that is the way that that is done correctly you know what i mean like and I feel a lot of movies that I've been watching lately that are new either over-exaggerate what would happen with an injury or way undermine the impact that injury would have on you. Right. And I'm just so confused why we can't, if you're going to have action in your movie or an injury, of whether it's related to action or not, why are you not showing what it really could be. I mean, supernatural stuff aside, although there should still be consequences and things for supernatural stuff, otherwise you don't have stakes and that doesn't make an interesting story, all that stuff. I feel as though if someone came with the script to someone, to a modern movie studio today, depending on the studio, they would look at it first and foremost as a fun comedy action and not really take the time to do those more serious aspects of it that make it such a fun great movie to watch because while it's really funny entertaining it also has the moments that make those moments stand out more because you also have the contrast with Atho's tragic backstory and the storyline of him meeting up with her again he calls her Sabine I think Sabine 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 and so you have that contrasted with they're they're they've stolen the cardinal's carriage this is when they rescued d'artagnan and they're riding through and they open up and they see a bunch of gold coins and different wines and champagnes athos is up front with d'artagnan they are oh my goodness steering the carriage is you say steering like you're driving a car steering the carriage driving the carriage driving they're driving the carriage porthos and aramis are in the carriage and Porthos comes up and he's like champagne for the road and Athos is like are you crazy we're in a chase you're right something red then and he Porthos goes back inside and he grabs a red wine instead and comes up and says for a carriage chase the cardinal recommends a 24 cabinet and Athos is like yeah okay take take the reins I'm just gonna sit here and drink wine out of (laughs) out of the bottle while we have a carriage chase so they have scenes like that that are really fun Porthos almost always seems to be the one who gets the most glee, almost joy, out of mm-hmm. what he does, hurting other people. He gets this really cool weapon at one point that he just really enjoys because he can shoot people and stab people with it. <laughs> yeah, he has like he has the dagger that splits into three. He has the oh, I don't know what they're called, but it's like these um, balls on the end of ropes and you throw them and they spin around and then they um, they usually are for attacking legs and making people trip, but he does it around somebody's head and he's like, man, I love my work, you know, like he's just so <laughs> proud of himself. <laughs> and then when he's, I don't know this man's title, but he is in the prison and maybe the prison guard, the main prison guard. Yeah, he's, he's like, I don't know, he's like the torture master, like creepy, yes. creepy dude very 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 big guy they did a lot of special effects makeup on him to make him look very scary very not pretty in any way porthos 
calls him ugly the first time he sees him. You know, he's running through the tunnels, trying to get to the king, rescue the king from the cardinal, sees him, whoa, ugly. And then they start fighting. And Porthos is not, he's not small. He's, we see him take down lots of enemies before. So the fact that this guy's even, is super big and it takes a lot of Porthos shows you just how intimidating this man is as, as an opponent. But even though his life is very much in grave danger, he still takes time to crack some remarks here and there mm-hmm. and still be fun and seem to enjoy himself and whatnot. And I just, I really like Porthos for that, for that levity that he brings to the movie. Their dynamic is so fun, all three of them. Aramis, who's a bit, tries to be super serious and man of God and poetry and Porthos drinking and just laughing and having fun, kissing the girls and liking what he does. And then Athos, it seems to me as though he's trying to make up for his past. This is his path to forgiveness or redemption or whatever. He's atoning. There we go. He's atoning for the sins of his past. I think they have such a good dynamic. I love it when D'Artagnan, when he attacks the assassin at the end, um, he's fighting with him and the assassin actually pushes him off the roof and he grabs hold um, to a a banner, a flag that's that's waving. And he's hanging on this fabric, trying to fight the guy with one hand. (laughs) And Athos is like, hey, you need to help him out. So Porthos, of course, has a you know, mini crossbow, like a one-handed mini crossbow (laughs) that he shoots the guy and the guy falls. And D'Artagnan is like, you know, it's about time, you know, I've been fighting this guy. They're like down there in the middle of a war and, you know, D'Artagnan's only fighting one person, but he's an assassin, so it's fine. Um, And then Porthos is just like, come D'Artagnan, we're saving the king. And just like so happy, like to be back in the surface of his king and like, a war against the cardinal's guards uh it's it's moments like that that just make it it's so fun and lighthearted and and when um after he kills the jailer evil guy um he meets up with athos and athos is like where have you been and he's like ugly and then just <laughs> on and it's just I love the sense of humor throughout the entire thing and just his his um he has this thing where he's like the very first time he meets D'Artagnan, he says D'Artagnan spills something on him and he his sash is all wet. And he's like, this sash was given to me by the Queen of America. And D'Artagnan, <laughs> there is no Queen of America. And he's like, I beg to differ, infant. And <laughs> and then when he's going, when D'Artagnan is about to be beheaded, the three musketeers are pretending to be the executioner and the priest. And so... Uh, um, Aramis of course is a priest and he's like you know spouting scripture um, while he's about to die but then he says all for one one for all and so D'Artagnan looks up and he's like hey I know that guy you know like he's here to save me and then you see the executioner lean down to D'Artagnan and say this axe was given to me by the Tsarina of Tokyo which is hilarious (laughs) it's like how America doesn't have a clean (laughs) Tokyo doesn't have a Tsarina A Scandinavian thing so it's hilarious and it's just it's just those things and then I love another part in that scene is um uh Aramis opens the bible and it's been cut out and there's a gun in there oh I love it sorry um and they get away and that's when the whole carriage scene happens and I love um Athos brings the carriage up and he's like, you're right, gentlemen. And D'Artagnan jumps in the front and 
uh, Aramis jumps on top and then Porthos just goes right through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see Aramis like climbing in through the hole that Porthos made and his legs are like sticking out as they drive through. It's so funny. <laughs> Porthos is, he gives me chaotic good energy. Yes, definitely. He's not chaotic neutral. He's chaotic good. He's very much always going to be on the side of good. He just causes chaos everywhere. <laughs> he and he in, enjoys doing so. Yeah. And what really surprised me, if you had not told me, and if I had not read the credits at the beginning of the movie or anything, I would not have known, never had guessed that Charlie Sheen was Aramis. Yeah. Partly because we we just got a brand new puppy. He was sleeping and I was scared if the volume was turned up that he would wake up. So I had the volume on very low and I sat real close to the TV and had subtitles on, but I still could barely hear people. But also, I don't, he just, if I look, I know it's Charlie Sheen, if I know beforehand, but if I didn't know beforehand, he really doesn't look the way I thought he would look. They did a good job with makeup. He just looks very different compared to the other roles he's been in. And he did a really good job. This is some of my favorite acting I've seen from him. I was very, very happy with his performance. I wish that he always was like that in everything he did. <laughs> his reputation would be so different. Well, I don't know. His personal life reputation, maybe not. But his acting reputation would have... Been an it's an interesting course is what I guess what I'm trying to say from that to the other things I know he's done and been in when especially knowing the range he showed in the Three Musketeers I kind of wish he'd leaned a bit more into that. Me too. I really and it's funny for like with these actors. Um, I know Oliver Platt is on some doctor show and I see clips of it and I'm just like Porthos, why are you acting all serious? You know, like I see. <laughs> Like, I can't watch 24 because, like, Athos is not some, I don't know, I don't even know what that show's about, but he's not some spy with, like, bombs going off. He's Athos, you know? He's got the tragic backstory. He takes his drinking very seriously. Like, that's who he is. So, I just, yeah. <laughs> this this movie kind of ruined those three actors for me. They will always be uh, Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Uh, I just love it. And Chris O'Donnell will forever, I'm sure he has gone on to do other things, but he will always, in my heart, be the punk that turns into hero. (laughs) (laughs) For three movies now, the two Batman movies he did, and now this one. Now, I don't remember this movie very well, but I do know that there is a movie called The Man in the Iron Mask. Ooh. Which is not was not made to be a sequel to this movie. It was made five. It was made five years after this movie, but it wasn't meant to be. And here's a sequel to that first movie. It was there. I think they were done by different studios. Yeah, they were done by different studios. The Man in the Iron Mask. Um, I never watched it, even though I love the Three Musketeers. I've seen. I saw like I saw parts of it on TV, but because of my claustrophobia, I cannot handle the concept of Iron Mask. So I couldn't watch it, even though I love Leonardo DiCaprio. I couldn't do it. Um, yeah. Okay. I was going to say, maybe we should do that for next one, but maybe not. I just remembered that has a lot of your phobias in there. Sorry. <laughs> I <laughs> no, love Leonardo fine. DiCaprio. There's certain, <laughs> there's certain but, movies we don't watch because of my phobias, so I'm fine with that. And honestly, I remember not liking that movie as much. And so 
when you told me about the three musketeers, I trust you. And I know that you know what I like and everything, but I was remembering the man in the iron mask and not liking it all that much and thinking it was a very serious affair. And I watched it probably way too young and there was a lot of dialogue and I just didn't know what was happening. Uh, but I'm really glad that you did tell me about this movie because I've been avoiding Three Musketeers stuff because of my experience with Man in the Iron Mask. Yeah, I I wanted to watch that movie so badly, but I could not. <laughs> I couldn't get past it. Um, I was shown, which was the biggest mistake, what the Iron Mask was and how it worked, and can't can't do it. Nope, nope, can't do it. <laughs> like, I know. That's the, insane watching watching the commercial was very difficult for me so um but if you are interested in the three musketeers that is another one of the versions if you don't have calithrophobia then you could probably sit through it and not have any problems but it is a lot more boring than and and like i said i've only seen it on tv it was edited a lot i closed my eyes for anything to do with the mask part (laughs) so um i i don't know a whole lot but from what i saw it was pretty boring it was very serious and i didn't love the acting as much because it was meant to be a more serious film it was not meant to be an action adventure it was meant to be a dramatic action movie which it was and so it it hit the nail on what it was trying to do but that's not what I was interested in or what I'm interested in now so uh I would much rather watch this one obviously a hundred times because I could probably quote you most of that movie I like every time they said something I was just like so excited I was like yep I know that line I know that line (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm definitely gonna be watching this again in the future and uh My husband watched a little bit of it with me, but wasn't able to watch all of it with me. So I definitely want to sit down and watch it with him sometime. And I'm putting this into my category of fun action movies. I talked a little bit about it before, but The Mummy, the Zorro, and now this are kind of in the top tier of action movies from around the time I was a child or very young or I don't remember. I don't know when Zorro was made, so I don't know if Zorro was made before I was born or not, but movies before the 21st century that were fun and I always look at those and wonder why we can't have those now (laughs) (laughs) and I'm always sad and then it always motivates me to want to in some way be a part of a fun action movie just like we had back then like those three movies with the right amount of seriousness tells a good story because the balance is done well but you come out just having had a good time and being involved in a story and every age of cinema has something going for it has something different I mean you still get people making movies of every genre and lots of different topics especially when you look at independent filmmakers more recently but you see trends throughout cinema and film history and whatnot and I think the trend that we're in now is just not my cup of tea at all I find myself longing to go for action movies as I stated those kind of the 80s 90s early 2000s action movies for musicals I definitely really like looking back at the 40s and 50s so the late 30s movies you know I have very few movies that I really love watching watching and rewatching are the ones that have come out maybe in the last 10 years for certain genres except maybe the superhero movies because marvel just blew everyone out of the water with what they were able to do with that 
at the beginning yeah. anyway <laughs> now it's everyone's doing superhero everything but yeah. other than superhero genre which is one of the trends that's going on right now I just I like the escape from reality and that's how I feel movies used to that's what they used to do that's they understood the assignment of this is an escape from reality we're not trying to remind people of what's going on in the world or as it is or at least not all the time and not in not in all the most popular movies I think that I agree. I think one of the biggest missed opportunities of the world right now is the fact that we just went through a global pandemic two years ago and well, three years ago. Um, but we just went through like this big, huge uh, worldwide tragedy. And we went through like so much as a society, as a world that escapism, escapism should be our number one goal with movies and bringing movies back and bringing theaters back and things like that. But I feel like it's such a missed opportunity for us because I feel like this, the movies that are coming out, so many of them are these dramas, these sad, emotional movies that we don't want you know like people don't want that right now we want to have fun at the movies and i think that's why the superhero movies um were doing so well and then when they got so dramatic it was like such bad timing for them to kind of go in that kind of melancholy um post trauma (laughs) era was like right when the world was going through a traumatic post-trauma era and I just think that that's why they kind of fell off and why the movies that are coming out now aren't doing as well is because well Avatar the Way of Water I've heard is doing really well and those two as far as I know don't have any social commentary or very much well, Top Gun Maverick I've seen, so I know it's very much escapism. I'm assuming Avatar The Way of Water is because it's about aliens on an alien planet. I don't I know. The first one had a lot of social commentary. That's true. That is very true. I, I've heard a little bit about the plot of the second one, and I I don't know. I really want to see it myself and see what I think. But yeah, the first Absolutely. one did have a lot. The Absolutely. first one was basically Pocahontas with aliens. But I hope studios get the message that people are wanting more of that more of the escapism part of movie going well and just entertainment and enjoyment i think and i think that that's really what we're missing is just you go to the movies to be entertained not to be educated you know what i mean like it's nice when you can tie in a moral or a lesson or um teach somebody something through storytelling i think that's great but I think that everything that I learned uh, from like the three musketeers or whatever, like it was fun information that I just enjoyed, (laughs) you know, and I didn't know what a musketeer was. I didn't know that they had, you know, that they protected the king until I saw these movies, you know? And so it's like, I got a little bit, I got a little education out of it, but I wasn't preached to. I wasn't told how to feel. I wasn't um, anything. I wasn't forced into any sort of way of thinking with it I was mm-hmm. just entertained and I think mm-hmm. that like and I'm not saying one way or the other like there's so many things that people are pushing whether it's for the right or the left or not and not saying either side or anything like that I'm just saying I don't I have to deal <laughs> with social 
commentary and we talked about this before like we have to deal with that we have to listen to that in our everyday lives we have to deal with it we have to decide you know what we believe with you know what we want to vote for and what we want to how we want to help the world and we have to deal with that all the time if it's a story about aliens or about the past or about you know superheroes in another world like then that should like it should have its own set of problems and I can just escape into those problems that will get uh, wrapped up in a pretty little bow by the end of the movie you know what I mean and and that's all that it should be it shouldn't be more than that it shouldn't be pushing anything because the point of movies is to entertain and to tell stories and people learn through that you know you learn to be more respectful you learn to like D'Artagnan learned to be more cautious and smart about his and and not be so hot-headed all the time he learned that so we learn that with him and as an audience you know what I mean like you learn to place importance on the right things and you learn to trust people and you learn about forgiveness with Athos and Sabine and he like tells the executioner to stop and he runs and he's like please tell me that you forgive me for what I did and she forgives him and she gives him the information and that's that that's her redemption story and that's his redemption story of getting forgiveness and that's beautiful and that's something that we can learn from we can learn to forgive people we can learn that if we do something bad, people can forgive us, you know, and we learned that, you know, you can, if you have already done something really, really horrible, like she had, you can make amends before you, you know, are, you know, before justice is served kind of a thing. Like you learn these things just through entertainment, just through storytelling, and it does shape who you are. So when you watch movies, especially when you're young and they're about depression and sadness and being forced into beliefs one way or the other and being told how to feel and being like, you know, having ideals shoved down your throat, you don't like, like, that's what you learn. You know, you learn to be judgmental and pushy and telling people you know being mean to people because they don't agree with you and you learn that you know it's being depressed is just how it's going to be and you can't fix it and you can't work with it and and you can't change anything and you know like it's so demoralizing and this movie is so incredibly like I don't know what the apple said of like morale boosting there we go <laughs> you know like i get like i get goosebumps when the three musketeers by themselves pull out their swords and all of the the red guards are standing in front of them and they're just going to take them on but then this entire crowd of men come up behind them and take off their tunics and they're all the musketeers that they had tried to gather and they didn't know if anybody was going to come and everybody came and they stood together and they were fighting together like that's so like that's so morale boosting you know like that's just like a pep talk you know it's it's so encouraging to know that like people really do believe in what they're fighting for and they will fight for it when you are part of a group of loyal people like they they're gonna have your backs when it's really down to it you know I love that so I think and I'm not saying that no movies have that nowadays I know that they're trying and they're working on it, but I think it was just really bad timing for a lot of the movies that came out right after the pandemic. There was a lot of dramas and there was a lot of 
movies that were just bad timing they weren't entertaining and so i'm not gonna bag on i know we bag on new movies all the time and we (laughs) we really need to stop it because (laughs) there's got to be good movies nowadays that we're just like missing and we're just not watching them so let us know in the comments if there's been a movie in the last five years that you just absolutely love and think it has done well and it's entertaining other than obviously maverick which we've talked about but we both loved and let us know <laughs> about that. I I'm I love this movie and I'm so glad that you got to watch it <laughs> and that um and then I got to watch it again because I really do enjoy it. I really love how the storytelling is. The characters are so well defined. Like every line that they have because the story is so rushed, every line that they have is impactful and meaningful and tells you who their character is. Like everything that you see Aramis do and everything that people say about him you know shows that he's like who he is he's this priest who was a musketeer and he was one of the cardinal students and he felt betrayed by the cardinal but he still has a good relationship with god and he's trying to be a good person but he's also kind of slutty and so he's like you know and so he's he's, he's dealing with it you know and then you have porthos who is just um porthos the pirate i told you i was famous like he's just fun and loving but has like this fierce sense of loyalty i feel like he's like a hufflepuff to the t you know he's so loyal but like joyful (laughs) you know and he's he's so funny and he has these quirks and and everything but he also is very quick-witted and he's so creative in the way that he fights and you see all his little gadgets and all of the little weapons that he (laughs) that he finds and that he uses and he just enjoys being who he is and then you have Athos who has the tragic backstory like we talked about but he also you know is so happy to be around Porthos and Aramis you know like he just he's just a good friend and a good person who has made a lot of mistakes and tries to punish himself for it and when he finally gets that I forgive you you know moment and he has to kind of rally like it's it's moving you know and it and it makes you feel and it makes you feel for him and he can finally move on with his life you know and all of this happens so quickly, but it's so like the way that the act, like you said, the actors take it seriously enough that you believe it, but they're not so serious that it's not entertaining. Like it's the right amount of serious. They understood the assignment and delivered. I really, I recommend this movie. I really do. Even with the flaw of the love story between D'Artagnan and Constance, even with my little 10 or 11 year old self inside me yelling, you can't like D'Artagnan. He's a jerk. (laughs) I still liked him. I think Chris O'Donnell did, was well cast for that because he plays it off so well. And he is a very pretty boy to look at throughout the movie. And so you can see why so many women are okay with him. Or let go to like him just on his looks and how he gets away with stuff. And I also agree with the modern movie scenes. Yeah, we go off on that a lot, but I know there's movies out there we're missing. So we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we do have YouTube, which has other things on it, not our podcast content. But if you want to find us there, you can. We have Twitter, YLS underscore productions. We have Patreon. There's numerous ways you can reach out to us. Let us know if there are movies that we are missing. Keep in mind that we don't watch graphic horror movies or rated R movies or movies that have graphic violence or nudity, anything like that, unless 
y'all would be okay with an edited version depending on the movie and why it would need to be edited. We will be back next week with another thrilling podcast, I'm sure, about a movie that we have have we decided on the Kevin Sorbo movies? I think if we can find them. <laughs> I yes. haven't looked them up yet. If we can find them. So there was a series that was recommended to me um, called Mythica, I want to say. Yes. Um, they're supposed to be, they're not rated, but I looked at the parental guides and they seem pretty tame. Um, and they star or... I don't know. I don't even know if he's the star because it looks like the star is a girl named Mythica, but I don't know that for sure. Um, but they have featuring in them Kevin Sorbo. I'm a huge fan of um, from his days as Hercules, and he also did Andromeda, but I didn't watch that show very much. But Hercules, I loved. <laughs> Hercules and Xena were like my childhood. I loved. I loved those shows. So I'm excited to see Hercules in another movie yes i think there's five there's five movies from what i saw i believe they're on prime but you know what tune in next week see if we're able to find the first mythica movie or if we had to change gears and review something else let us know if there's anything you'd like us to review and remember sometimes we talk about not just specific movies but overarching themes or character arcs or deep dives into things if you'd like to see more of that content let us know and share with friends that you also think would enjoy our podcasts. And if you disagree with anything we say, you can also let us know that we're not offended as long as you're respectful. Although I will say, even if you're disrespectful, we still might not be offended. But it's just nice to be respectful. <laughs> <laughs> just, a good, just a good rule of thumb as we get preachy on this show. <laughs> I know, be nice do. on the internet. <laughs> That's our do you have so, other than... Other than recommending this movie, do you have any recommendations for our audience? Honestly, the only thing I have been watching other than, or I've watched in the last week other than this movie, has been old kids shows. Bluey, if you have kids, Bluey is on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. I never knew what the hype was about. I still think it's overhyped, but it is very cute. My daughter really, really loves it, and it's one of those shows that I don't mind having on. For a long period of time, I don't feel the need after two or three episodes. Okay, now we're switching gears to something else. If you know we need to keep watching something else for some reason, so I guess that's my recommendation. If you have kids or watch kids and need a show to watch, Bluey on Disney Plus. It's very cute. They have Australian accents, and it's about a family of dogs. My sister loves Bluey um, for her kids. She has three kids, and they all love Bluey and are a little bit obsessed. Um, but it's funny every time I hear about Bluey or see anything, I always think of my sister and I'll like send her a picture. Um, and there was, uh, <laughs> there was a video about a guy who had done something that was bad parenting. We'll just, we'll leave it at that. And the guy giving him advice is like, you should watch Bluey <laughs> because <laughs> Bluey is the, you know, if you want, uh, if you want to know how to be a good dad, like watch Bluey. It has great examples of being a good dad and, <laughs> and Bluey would, would never do this. Or uh, Bandit is the dad's name. And he's like, Bandit would never do this to Bluey <laughs> or Bingo or I think is the sister's name. But anyway, and they actually have used Bluey in like um, family therapy classes and stuff like that. So yeah, apparently Bluey is just like the pinnacle of a well-functioning family of australian dogs so <laughs> it really is i, I, I mean it, it gives me mom guilt every time i watch but i really do love it and it's given me some fun ideas for games to play with my with my two littles so i do appreciate it for that absolutely so if you 
um, want some parenting advice, watch (laughs) (laughs) That's my recommendation. Very nice. Um, I don't know that I have. Well, actually, so I think I've recommended this movie before. Uncharted, which came out recently, which was a good movie. Um, mm-hmm. we we do like that movie, <laughs> um, but I actually recommended it to my sister, the one that loves Bluey, and she recently texted me and was like, "Hey, I finally watched it, and you were right. It is a good movie. I really liked it. Thank you for recommending it." So I'm going to recommend it to all of you. Uncharted stars um, Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg, and so and it's like a PG-13 movie that came out recently, and I really liked it. So I'll recommend oh. that little bit I of a different that though. one yeah, that, yeah. One, that one was also a really good fun action movie and that was yeah. recent so not all recent movies are bad thank you for the reminder <laughs> yes um so that's my recommendation just because it worked out with my sister she liked it and I recommended it to her so <laughs> I'll recommend it to you guys hopefully you like it too anyway okay. thank you so much for listening um I think we've that's we've already said all of our Socials. social media yeah, so definitely. My baby's throwing a fit, so I'm a, we're going to head out. So, <laughs> thank you so much. I'm Taya. I'm Laura. Bye. Bye.